Howdy, y'all. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Spooky Soup Podcast. I am Jesse. And I'm Tessa. Jesse, how was your week? It's pretty good. What'd you do? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a nice, relaxing week. However, I did uh, receive an awesome short little story from one of our Reddit users. What? Yes, one of our, this one is actually, yes, our first one that we've received on Reddit that we're going to read. And then I have some other spooky stories too. You guys, that just warms my cold, dead heart. I'm so happy <laughs> to hear that. Thank you for sending us stories. Heck yes. I am very excited. What do you say we just jump right in? Sure, 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 sure. So I have the Reddit stories today, obviously, like I just said. And then you have a spooky story for us. It's spooky. It's historical. It's local. Heck yeah. You know it, how I be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. And if you guys are new to the podcast, that's kind of our format that we've pretty much created. We didn't plan it, really. It just kind of happened. We'll share Reddit stories and then a scary or spooky historical story. And you know what? It's been awesome. I've learned a ton. Same. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, we'll jump right in. This first story, once again, was sent to us on Reddit by Reddit user Spiritually Cynical. Oh, I love that name. Hello, Spooky Soup. Here's a rather short story that happened to me many years ago in my old home. I was in middle school, and it was winter break, so both of my parents were at work, and my brothers were asleep in their room. I can't recall exactly why I was up so early, but I was, and I was compelled to cook myself breakfast. The entire house was cold. Snow flurried outside the window as I got my supplies together. The way my kitchen was set up was that it was open to the living room and dining room, which were all more or less in the same U-shaped room. There was one vent in the kitchen, but it was at ankle level and did not angle up. This will make sense in a second. So it's about 8.30 a.m. I'm the only one awake and I'm making French toast on the counter with my back to the open hall. All of a sudden, I hear an incredibly distinct inhale near my ear. In a split second after I feel a cold break against the back side of my neck, I jump in surprise and whip around, staring at that empty hall. If my brothers had woken up, I would have heard the door open and footsteps moving. I had heard absolutely nothing but that inhale and breath. Shaken, I peeped around in my living room and dining room and of course found no one. I was terrified, and I continued cooking while facing the entire room in the kitchen so I wouldn't be surprised again. When my brothers woke up, I confirmed that they had not gone into the kitchen before. Nothing like that ever happened again, and I still think about it. Hope this one fits the bill. It absolutely fits the bill. Oh my god, that's scary. I feel like that relates to the both of us just because our house is definitely haunted, but it's not, but it is. <laughs> yeah. That actually reminded me. Stuff of, like that happens. Yeah. Yeah. When I was little, I'm not sure where our siblings were, but it was just me and mom home. Dad mm -hmm. was on a business trip. Okay. And now for context, y'all have to understand that our mom raised us on snapped on oxygen so we were always listening to like murder shows but real life murders mm -hmm. 
And so as a kid, it scared the crap out of me. Me too. Yeah. I thought (laughs) someone was going to like break into our front window and kill me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So with dad being gone, I was still terrified because of the show. So I like took it upon myself to go late at night and walk around the house and make sure all the doors and windows were locked. And I walked to the garage door and I locked it. And then I felt like someone was standing behind me. Like I could feel something almost. And I started walking back to mom's room because I was having a sleepover with her. And on my way back, I swear, on my life, I heard, go, in my ear. It sounded like someone like scream whispered the word (laughs) go right in my ear. And I ran back to mom's room and I was like, mom, someone's in the house. And she didn't believe me. She wouldn't get up. And I was freaking (laughs) out that someone was murdering us. (laughs) Uh, So question, was that in the hallway towards your old room and mom and dad's room? So it was by the banister. Okay. So like between the couch back and the banister. Okay. It was right there because I was walking back and I could like, I just felt like someone was watching me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I heard it right then in my ear, like someone like bent down to my childhood height (laughs) and said it. And I just booked it to mom's room. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's funny you say that because uh, I get a call one day from mom and this is well after I moved out. I was in college. I was, I, I don't think I was married yet, but I was definitely living on my own at this point. And uh, I get a call from mom and she goes, are you home? are you in the house? And I'm like, no, I'm an hour away. Like I'm at, I'm at school. She's, she's like, okay. I'm like, is everything okay? She's like, I thought I saw you. And I'm what? like, what do you mean you thought you saw me? She's like, well, I know dad's not home. He's at work. I know that for sure. But I swear I saw you. I just thought it was so weird that you would come home and not come say hi. And, like, you would just hide in the house or something. Like, obviously, I wouldn't do that. (laughs) And so what happened was, um, just a preface, our kitchen is facing the dining room. And then past the dining room is the entrance to the hallway that leads to our parents' bedroom. So the kitchen faces this, this doorway, or excuse me, this hallway. And she saw out of her peripheral vision, a large figure, so she thought it was a big male figure, and thought it was me standing in the hallway just looking at her, and then when she looked up, it was gone. What in the world? So she was pretty freaked out that day, for sure. Dude, my mind is blown right now. I've never heard the story. So, yeah, this was a while ago. Well, a while ago. It was like four or five years ago. Yeah, so dad was out. I don't know if he was out of town or if he was just at work, but he was definitely not in the house that day. Yeah, scary. And that's why I asked you, like, where this happened because, of, I mean, it could have been in the same-ish area, but she said it was, like, in the door, horse, hallway entrance. Well, it was fi- close to that. That's the thing. Maybe that's I was walking to that doorway. A little hot spot. Yeah. Well, I don't want to sound crazy, but <laughs> all the time, because I'm up late and... I play Call of Duty pretty late, so I'll sit in the living room. Yeah. And I will have the lamp on by the entrance of the hallway right there. Yeah, they're right next to each other. Right next to each other. 
and I always see something moving from right to left towards the <laughs> lamp. And it always looks like it's about the size of a person. It's the corner of my eye. And if I adjust my vision, there's never anything there. Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of it, but it always catches me off guard. I'm like, yeah. oh, someone awake? Did I wake someone up? But there's never anyone there. Spooky. Spooky. That's not even my spooky story for today. Geez, spiritually cynical. You tapped into some memories we didn't yeah. know we'd be sharing today. Went off on a tangent. Okay, so this next story is called Night Drive by Reddit user Dark Hero. My partner and I have barely been sleeping these past few weeks. It happens late at night after we drift off into unconsciousness. A loud scream echoes from down the hallway. We awake. Both of us groggily decide on whose turn it is to get up and take care of our baby. Every night, our baby girl would cry her little heart out to us. Sometimes it would be a couple of times and other moments it seems like she would never sleep again. One night, it was my turn to take care of her. I checked my phone to see that it was just before 1 o'clock in the morning. My eyes felt puffy. My back was aching and my head throbbed as I entered the nursery. I lifted her up from the crib. My light shushes were easily drowned out by her cries. I cradled her and lightly bounced her. My knees and shoulders began to burn after a few long minutes. I set her down for a moment to prepare a bottle of formula for her, but she began to cry even harder. I could hear my partner from the other room asking me if things were okay. I assured them that things were just fine as I made a mess of the water and formula powder. I rushed back to the nursery and of course she wouldn't take the bottle. You sure you're okay? My partner called out to me again. I I started to respond until I dropped the bottle onto my foot. I held back a groan and I composed myself. We're fine, just fine. I try to help out with the baby as much as I can, but I work as my partner takes the brunt of parental duties by staying home. I wanted them to rest as much as possible, so I try my best at the very least to make sure that the baby gets back to sleep. I check my phone to see the time, 1.17 a.m. At this rate, I doubt anyone would get any rest, so I decided to pack her into her car seat and go on a quick drive in hopes that it would put her to sleep. I placed the car seat into its spot behind the driver's seat and hopped into my Ford Focus. The baby's cries had shifted to light whimpers, and I was sure that I made the right choice. I turned the engine on and pulled out of the driveway of our little home. I connected my phone to the Bluetooth of my car and played light nursery songs. I aimlessly drove around as the light stirring from behind me began to seize. We live just on the outside of the city. For miles, there's nothing but trees trees, and more trees. I travel around these roads every day, but with barely any light aside from my car's headlights, the current path made me feel a bit uneasy. I looked at my car's clock and saw that it was 1.48 a.m. I'd been driving for about 15 minutes or so. I hadn't heard a peep from the baby in a while, so I decided it was safe to turn around and return home. It was a long stretch of road, and I had been traveling straight this whole time so I simply slowed down to make a U-turn to go back home. I turned the steering wheel to the left, and the sound of the tires on pavement cracked underneath me. I thought I could make it easily, but my car ended up going off the road a bit. I heard a thud, followed by a loud snap. I must have hit something. I cursed under my breath. I pressed on the brakes and shifted my car to park to see what I had hit. I got out and walked around to see that I had simply struck a few twigs. I was thankful that it was just some scraps of wood and no damage was done. 
I stood outside for a second. It's the beginning of summer, but the night air felt cold on my skin. The road was silent, aside from the light beeping from my car alerting me that the door was left ajar. I was surprised the baby didn't wake up with all the noise, but I let that thought slip away as I got back into the car. I pulled back, embarrassed at my poor driving skills. Glancing back in my rear view mirror, I saw my rear lights illuminate a figure in dark red. In the reflection, I swore I saw a person right behind my car. I slammed onto the brakes and yelled, Oh crap! My body jerked a bit, causing me to lose visual at what was behind me. I turned around completely to see nothing. Just the woods and the faint red light of my car. The baby began to stir, and sure enough, she started to cry. I pinched the bridge of my nose and rubbed my eyes. I was sure the lack of sleep was getting to me. I continued to back up and finally completed my failed U-turn, all while shushing my daughter. My heart was racing a bit. I was sure that I had seen something, rather someone, behind me for a moment. My daughter's cries began to get louder, and my ears started to ring. Shh, shh, shh. it's okay, baby. Just fall back asleep. Please, I pleaded to her. Of course this was foolish. I turned up the volume to the white noise I had been playing. I don't know what I was hoping for more that the sound would actually lull her to sleep or to drown out the shrill cries. Taking a deep breath, I continued my drive, thinking that the baby would fall back asleep on the way. I kept going with the baby's cries seeming as infinite as the road ahead of me. Lack of sleep was starting to get to me. My eyelids felt like they were weighed down with cinder blocks. I opened my mouth wide to let out a yawn, but I heard something that caused me to choke it down. In my back seat, a light shushing could be heard. It sounded high-pitched like a child's. I thought at first it was simply something playing on my phone until I heard a childlike humming of Rockabye Baby alongside the white noise from my car's stereo, and I could clearly hear the humming coming from behind me. I glanced in the rearview mirror, but I couldn't see anything aside from the road behind me. I thought I was hallucinating the noise even turning off the car stereo, but the humming of the lullaby was loud and clear. I whipped my head around to look towards the back seat, afraid to take my eyes off the road, but even more afraid of what was behind me. I turned my head and locked eyes with what looked like a young boy. He looked like he was probably five years old with short black hair, and he stared back at me with wide, milky white eyes. He was wearing what looked like tattered red pajamas, and his skin was pale with gashes all over. I was about to let out a scream until I felt something cold grab my head and forcibly twist my gaze back towards the road. I slammed my foot onto the brake, the car screeching to a halt. All I could see was the road ahead, but in the corner of my vision, I could see long, thin fingers. A woman's voice whispered into my ear, My baby, my baby. Give me back my baby. The words sent chills down my neck and froze my spine. The fingers lifted off from my face and the child's humming stopped abruptly. I just sat there with my foot on the brake like a lead weight. It was silent for a moment until I let out a shaky breath. I couldn't comprehend what had just happened until it suddenly hit me. The car was eerily quiet, so quiet despite all of what just happened. I rushed out of the car and opened the door to the back seat. 
my heart dropped to unfathomable depths at the sight of an empty car seat. I pulled out the baby's car seat and frantically lifted the blankets I had placed with her. The car seat was empty and my daughter was gone. I went through every nook and cranny in my car like a crazed person. I was undoubtedly alone. I felt waves of fear and anxiety slam into my chest. I snatched my phone out of my pocket and quickly called my partner. The phone rang and rang and rang until they finally picked up. Their groggy voice called out, Babe, what? I cut them off and shouted into the phone, She's gone. I don't know what happened, but but she's gone. Their tired tone shifted to alertness and they asked, What do you mean? Who are you talking about? Where's the baby? Tears began to burst out of my eyes and I cried, I'm sorry, I don't know what happened. They took her. My partner shouted at me, What are you talking about? Before I could say another word, I heard the childlike shushing again. My partner's voice kept calling out to me, but I dropped my arm to my sides and turned towards the sound of the shushing. In front of the car, illuminated by the headlights, were the little boy, and beside him was a woman with long brunette hair. The woman was wearing a white nightgown that was spattered with crimson. Her legs were bent in an awkward stance, and her brunette hair flowed down to her chest. Her head was turned down to something cradled in her arms. Her hair draped over it like a curtain. I heard the light whimpering of my baby in the woman's arms, and cautiously I stepped towards them. The woman was whispering something, and as I got closer, I could make out what she was saying. My baby, my baby, I finally have my baby. When I got close, the boy snapped his head towards me and opened his mouth. Dark blood began to pour out and tears streamed down his white eyes. The boy began to step towards me, blood spattering all over the road and onto his torn red pajamas. He outstretched his hands towards me, and I fearfully took a step back. Please, that's my baby. She's not yours. Give her back, I pleaded. My daughter began to cry in the woman's arms, her screams echoing all around us. I turned back towards the woman and begged for my baby back. No, 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 no. She's mine, the woman hissed. She lifted her head up to face me, and I let out a yelp to what I saw. Underneath the woman's hair was nothing. She had no face. All that was left was a concave, bloody mess. It was as if something had smashed her face in completely, but despite that, I could hear her cries loud and clear. My baby, my baby. My daughter was crying in her arms, and I felt helpless. I mustered up the courage to move forward, but the boy latched onto my leg. His grip was tight on me, and I could feel burning cold emanating from him. I felt my body crash hard onto the pavement. I weakly lifted my head up to see the woman looking down at me. Please, she's not yours. That's my daughter. I yelled out with all my might. We stared at each other for a long moment, and the woman looked back towards my baby. After a few seconds, she started to walk away from me. I panicked and picked my body up to turn around. Again, I was left all alone. Where the heck are you? I could hear my partner's voice from my cell phone. I slowly lifted myself up and picked up my phone. I was filled with fear, confusion, and regret about what just happened. I was prepared to tell my partner that our baby was definitely gone until I heard a giggle from the back seat of my car. I rushed over to see that my daughter was safe and sound in her car seat. Uh, I'll tell you when I get back, I told my partner over the phone and quickly got the heck out of there. After the long night drive, I finally got home, my daughter and I back in one piece. 
I explained what happened to my partner, and they tried to chalk it up to lack of sleep or something. But after that night, I couldn't let the memory of the events fade away. On my way to work, I would go down that road. That road I traveled up and down countless times. The memory of that infinitely dark road, the images of the bloody boy and woman were just surreal thoughts, I suppose. I was driving to work one morning when I saw a young woman in her 20s parked at the side of the road. I slowed down a bit to see what she was doing, and I saw that she was setting up some pieces of wood. Something clicked in my brain, and I parked my car next to hers. Hey, are you having issues? I called out to her. She looked up at me with sad green eyes and beneath her long brown hair. Oh, it's fine. Just some dirt bag knocked down this. I looked at her feet to see that she was setting up a wooden cross on the side of the road. What's all this? I asked. The woman didn't look up at me and continued setting up the wooden cross. Just something for my mom and brother. She proceeded to tell me that her mom and dad had issues when she was pregnant with her. Dad had skipped out on them, so when the time came and her mom's water broke, she rushed herself to the hospital with her son in tow. They got into an accident and crashed onto the side of the road. Miraculously, the baby had survived, and here she was. The woman finished the cross and nailed a picture in the center of it. She didn't say any word as she got back into her car and drove away. I stepped towards the cross to see the smiling face of a young boy with red pajamas and her pregnant mother. They both were so excited to meet their baby girl, and they wanted to be with her so badly. I sat in my car for a moment and cried. I will never forget that night drive. I feel like I just watched a movie. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That was a long one. That was so good. That was awesome. That was so good. Heck yes. Uh, My heart was beating so fast. Yes, Redditor Dark Hero XX. I don't think I mentioned that earlier. Thank you so much. That was a really, really good story. Incredible job. That was amazing. That needs to be a movie. I mean, it sounds like La Llorona. Yeah. Or Mama. I was thinking Mama. Uh, Before we move on to Tessa's spooky and true uh, historical story, just wanted to remind everyone that's listening that you guys can share your scary stories with us. Please DM them to us on Instagram, or you can email them to us, SpookySoupPodcast801 at gmail.com, and uh, we would be more than happy to read them on the podcast as long as they're spooky. I'm very excited to hear what you have for us today. So this is one you know very well. Heck yeah. But I'm not sure if you know like the actual history story behind it all. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the myth and the legend and the actual history of Flo, the friendly ghost of Mm -hmm. Ogden Cemetery. Okay, bringing back some memories. All right, so let's set the scene for our listeners. It's a Friday summer night in Utah. You and your friends are bored and looking for something, anything entertaining to do. You've already done Kay's Cross before, gone up the canyon a million times, but tonight you guys settle on summoning a ghost. Now, not just any ghost, but the ghost of the Ogden Cemetery, who only comes out when headlights flash at her grave. When you arrive at the cemetery gates, you're greeted with overarching trees and the dense heavy weight of the nighttime air. Ogden is one of Utah's most notorious towns, overflowing with extremely rich and dark history, from suicides to murders to brothels and speakeasies and 
all sorts of railway accidents. Ogden's got it all. So knowing all of this, keeping it in mind, and going into the cemetery is just making everything extra spooky. You turn onto the lane and slowly creep your car down the pavement, looking for the headstone of Florence Louise Grange. The legend says that if you drive to Flo's grave located on 7th Street between North and Martin, then flash your headlights three times, her ghost will appear. The legend also says that Flo was a young woman from the early 1900s who was hopelessly in love. On a dark night, she was standing outside and waiting for her date to pick her up. Her date told her that he would flash his car's headlights three times before pulling up so that she'd know it was him. After a while of standing there on the sidewalk, anxiously looking around, she saw headlights in the distance coming down her street. She thought she saw the headlights flash at her, so to get a better view of the car, she stepped into the road when suddenly another car flew around the corner, not seeing her, and killing her instantly upon impact. Now, anyone who's seen Flo's ghost will tell you that when she appears, she emits this glowing green fog, illuminated by car headlights. It's reported that cars also suddenly stop working when she appears, and unlucky paranormal enthusiasts like us get stuck and locked in their cars because who would get out in that situation? For local teens, the story makes its rounds at school, and everyone, everyone, and their dog, knows about Flo. I remember in elementary school, a girl told me her parents had taken there for Halloween to give her some spooks. Oh, that's elementary school. Yeah, she was young. Okay. I remember it because it scared the crap out of me when she told me. But she said that she thought she saw a flash of green light when they got to the headstone, but she wasn't sure. I remember one night I was really sick. So I have asthma, and before I was ever officially diagnosed with it, if I got really sick, I'd have like asthma attack after asthma attack because of all the coughing and stuff and This one time, it was just really bad, and I wasn't able to sleep for two nights because of it. So, Dad put me in his truck in the middle of the night, and he also couldn't sleep, so we just decided to drive around until we got tired. I know. Wait. I know. (laughs) Wait. Your your dad put you in the car and took you on a night drive? Yeah. First and only time. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, this this is just unplanned (laughs) and surprising coincidence it was for me too sorry continue (laughs) so we ended up driving to Ogden and I was like dad I really want to go see Flo I've never seen Flo can we please go try and he was like you know why not let's do it so (laughs) this is very surprising I would never expect my dad our dad to do that (laughs) I know I did not know this continue so it's like 2 a.m right Mm -hmm. and we drove to the cemetery, and I had no idea where Flo's grave was, so we didn't end up going to it, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find it. I, it was just late. Um, so, yeah, we couldn't find it, but I remember that when we got to the cemetery, I was thoroughly spooked because once you enter on the right-hand side, there's this huge metal gate, and it says Pet Cemetery above it, yeah. and it was just, like, super dark beyond those doors. It, was, it freaked me out. And even though we didn't find Flo's grave, it's still just one of those memories that sticks out to me because everyone knows about this thing. Everyone's heard this legend. So I've also heard stories of Flo looking like a 
sad girl in a long dress. Uh, she looks longingly at cars that pass by her tombstones. I've also heard other accounts of her standing near her grave, surrounded by the green fog, with an angry expression on her face. She makes cars stop working and forces people inside to endure her anger and scares the crap out of them. Mm-hmm. I found this comment on a Facebook group dedicated to Flo's grave. It says, The ghost of Florence Grange, I've seen her a few times, sometimes as a green glowing mist. But when I saw her as more of a full figure, she had brown hair and a long white dress, but the face was blurry with no features. And I found an account online on Utah State University's Digital Commons. So on their website where people can submit stories. Um, I'm sure it's for historical purposes, but someone Uh gave their story about seeing Flo. Okay. So it says, My friends and I decided to walk into the graveyard, which was really scary because the Ogden Cemetery is super freaky. It's like really old. And so we were walking in and there was this abnormally tall figure walking towards us with really long arms that almost touched the ground. And it started circling us in the distance. So we were all just screaming and huddled around in the circle. It was the scariest moment of my life, and it looked like the creepiest thing. It was probably just someone dressed up weird. But eventually we made our way over to Flo's grave, and we didn't have our headlights to flash at it because we walked in the cemetery. But as we got closer, we saw a figure cross the street. Probably just a reflection of lights on the road, but every time we went, we would see something cross the road. And we always screamed and would always drive away really fast. And I got pulled over by the cops a couple times. And the third time the cop ticketed me and made me go to court. So that's what that was. Jeez. Um, I've also heard variations of the myth where Flo died by choking on candy. Or getting hit by her own boyfriend's car, not just like a stranger's car. Yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah. I've heard many different renditions of this story. Yeah, there's a lot, but I think the consensus is that she was told to wait for the headlights to flash. She thought she saw them and then was hit by a car when she stepped out into the road. Yep. So I guess we'll never know exactly how this legend started, but here's everything that we do know. So Florence Louise Grange was a 15-year-old daughter of one of Utah's first auto mechanics. In 1918, the Spanish flu was sweeping the world, and Ogden, Utah was no exception. And according to the Dead History blog, which shout out to you guys because you're awesome, people were required to have a clean bill of health from their doctors before even being allowed to enter Ogden City at the time because the Spanish flu was so prevalent, and it was killing so many people. Right. And the strain of flu was interestingly particularly bad for young, healthy people which makes no sense, but it hit them really hard for some reason. Mm. Okay. So everyone in Flo's family called her by her middle name, Louise. All of them got the Spanish flu, but Flo was the only one to actually pass away from it. And she was only 15 years old when she died on December 29th, 1918 in her Ogden home. And it's reported that she was sick for only 10 days before she passed away. So it was a very fast, sudden, traumatic thing for her family. During Flo's short lifetime, she was involved with the local volleyball team, and she was super well-liked in her community. No one really knows how this myth about a beloved young woman started. I couldn't find anything about her being, like, an angry person or, like, with a vengeful 
you know, a thirst for vengeance. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, she's just this 15-year-old girl living her life, going to high school parties, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, regardless, her legend lives on today, and I can guarantee that every single Friday night, the cops are waiting in the Ogden Cemetery, ready to ticket any cars that are past closing, because the legend of Flo is so well-known all over Utah. If you guys want to risk it, we'll go to the cemetery together and record our reactions to whatever we see. We'll flash our headlights. And maybe it's just lights bouncing off the headstones from cars on the main road, or maybe it's just a mirage that kind of looks like a human figure. But either way, this legend has lived on for over 100 years at this point. So I think there's something to it. Yeah, uh, I've seen Flo. 100%. Tell us. <laughs> uh, I I did that twice. Um, I went once with a group of friends, and it was the first time we went. Second time, I went with a different group of friends, and nothing really happened. Uh, so that was kind of disappointing. But anyways, the first time we went, we did the whole ceremonial, turn your car off, flash your lights three times at the at her headstone or whatever, and lo and behold, in front of the car, this slow, like, white mist started forming into the shape of a female in, like, a white gown. And around her was an emerald kind of shade of green that outlined her. That's what everyone says they see, and is I, green mist. Exactly. And so I was, I was literally too stunned to even know what was going on. And I just hear one of my friends say drive 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 <laughs> and my buddy turns the car on steps on it and we drive forward into this mist and it she kind of like the mist just like like it was like a poof like it dispersed yeah like, like we hit it and it went poof and kind of like how smoke does like if you hit it with your hand yeah and i to this date don't know why i've the second time we went i tried to like ex- explain to myself try and figure out what was happening so I, I remember actually got out of the car pulled my phone out used as a flashlight and i couldn't find anything that really would make this mist or this emerald thing except there's like a little street sign for like i guess the the little roads throughout the cemetery have names so there was like an emerald green street sign but that was kind of far away and plus that wouldn't really make sense to make this outline of this female i've driven past those emerald street signs at night it doesn't do that it's very strange and i cannot explain it that's insane Mm -hmm. you have the same experience that everyone i've read about has had (laughs) (laughs) i think uh i think flo's real and she's i don't think she's doing it to like freak anyone out she's just doing it to party she's like friends come see me I'll, i'll hang out with you just uh you know, don't try and run me over, which we did. So we probably made her upset. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember someone said, like, don't try and take a picture of her because if you do, she'll follow you home. And so and all of That's us. That's like, the part that scared me about the girl in elementary school because she said that she took the picture. <laughs> and so it scared me because I thought Flo would follow me home because she told <laughs> Cause me she the told story. You. Yeah. Is that how it works? <laughs> <laughs> in my little elementary school brain, that's how it worked. That's fair. Yeah, flow is a uh, flow's freaky. I recommend trying it, but once again, the cops love hanging out there now and wait for anyone to come out. So, 
Oh, it's free flowing Ticket City there. Oh, actually, since th- this was like over 10 years ago when we last time I saw her. So they actually moved her grave now. It's not easily accessible to do that with your car. Flash the headlights now. So I, so actually, you probably can't go and do it anymore, I guess. See, I it's, didn't know that it was moved. It was moved, yes. Wow. Yeah. They were really that bothered by people just looking to get spooked. No, I don't think that was it. It was disrupted by the tree's roots next to it. Oh, okay. So it was messing with the headstone. Like it wasn't straight anymore. It was leaning to the side pretty much where it was going to fall over. And so I think like that was the main reason. Um, gotcha. Actually, I think they did. So since it's moved, it's still by a road, but you still can't like aim your headlights at it super easy now. I still want to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you could still visit her and hang out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to go on like a, a Monday night or something when the cops aren't as busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did find her death certificate. Cool. And from that, I was able to find her place of death, her house. I found it on Google Earth. Oh. And I bet you these people who live there have no idea that they live in Ogden's most notorious ghost place of death. Where is it in Ogden? It's 2827 Grant Avenue. And it's this gray house right here. Oh, that's a creepy old house. Yeah. I cool. think it was built in like 1910 or something like that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then here's some pictures I found of Flo that her family uploaded. Oh, wow. That's weird to see. And we're going to put this on our Instagram and our YouTube, you guys. So check us out there if you want to see these pictures. Heck yeah. And then here's one that was colored in. Okay. So Very similar. She matches a lot of people's descriptions where she's wearing a long dress Mm -hmm. and she has brunette hair. Yeah. And she just stands there and watches people. Ugh. Eerie. So freaking creepy. Oh, my gosh. That's the story of Flo. I didn't know the actual history behind her. There were so many rumors about how she died and stuff and different stories, and so that's good to know. It was Spanish flu, but I do find the connection interesting that her father was one of the first auto mechanics of Utah. Sure. So Maybe that's how the myth got started. Yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, thanks for the spooky story. You're welcome. Thank you, Dead History, for supplying with some of that research. That was really cool to read about. Heck yeah. Please uh, share this with anyone you know who loves spooky stories. Um, We want to grow our audience as much as we can. We'll scare you in the next one. Stay spooky.